0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to this episode of The Unveiling. Today we are talking about the source of all corruption. Have you ever asked, where does evil come from? Did God create it? We're going to talk about that today. All right, all right. Well, thank you so much for tuning in uh, to this episode. Um... This is going to be an incredible topic that we're going to talk about today. Um, I think it's one that uh, a lot of people ask the question to. uh, Where does evil come from? Did God create evil? Um, What is really the source of corruption, the negative, fallen aspects of the world we live in? And the Bible actually is very clear, gives us the answer. Um, It's pretty black and white. And what I think is so cool about it is that when we see this, we can actually um, look for this root in our own life. We can actually um, scan day to day the motive of our heart and look for this one thing. And if we're honest with ourself, um we can ask, is there this element present in my motives at this moment? Is it affecting my attitude? Yada, yada. And um, I think if we are um, honest with ourselves, we will be able to identify quickly areas in our life where we can avoid contributing corruption into the world we live in. So let's just dive in. We're going to look at two particular scriptures today that deal with the matter, um one is going to be 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to look at that 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 4. And the second scripture we'll look at um, today is going to be James chapter 4 verse 2 and so go ahead and write that down or or just put a uh, put a bookmark there and we'll come back to that in a little bit but we're going to start off with 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 4 so I'm just going to dive in. Let's read it. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped All right, here we are. Underline and highlight this. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world by Lust, okay, I want to stop there. now, what Peter is saying here is very important He's saying to believers that um, if we look a couple verses earlier that christ christ's righteousness, grace and peace and uh, the knowledge of God. And of Jesus, um, and many other things, uh, magnificent promises that Peter mentions, and different things like that. Uh, we're partakers of the divine nature because of our faith in Jesus. And um, this divine nature does not include the corruption that is in the world. Okay, that's very, very important. What is salvation? Well, I'm not going to dive deep into this right now, but you and I are not in a sense we're not saved yet. Those of us who believe in in Christ. Um in the New Testament there's three Greek words for saved and um or I should say not three Greek words but three tenses for this word. Um there's the the past, the present and the future tense. Um the uh I have been saved, I am being saved, and I will be saved. And um, we are partakers of this divine nature Divine nature that Peter is talking about here. And um, in a sense, we, we have partaken that in faith, but we have not fully put that on. But um, we still have escaped the corruption of the world. Right now, presently, as a believer, we have access and ability to escape the corruption the corruption of the world, by putting on, choosing to put on this divine nature of holiness and righteousness that Peter talks about. And this divine nature is um, void of the corruption in the world. So even though you and I are still in the world, we ought to be void of the corruption in the world. Well, how in the world is that going to happen? Well, we avoid one key characteristic. Peter tells us what it is. Lust. He says, the corruption that is in the world, circle this word if your translation says it, I'm in the NASB, it says this, by lust. In other words, the corruption that is in this world exists because of lust. Lust is the source of all corruption. And, um, it's not too shocking. We can look back at the first pages of the Bible and see the um, narrative um, in the garden. And when uh, Adam and Eve fell, uh, it was due to lust. And when we think of this word lust, I don't want you to think of the, um, the sensual uh, definition of it. I want you to just think of the word selfishness. Selfishness. Um, the word self so the the um the root of atheism is um is selfishness it's it there it, i forget their motto you could do your own research but it has basically some something along the lines of gratify thyself or whatever um that is kind of the the premise of of uh atheism uh devil worship s- the church of satan specifically um, and so, when we see in the garden, Satan's tactic has been to bring evil and corruption into the world. Whenever we're, we've we got ourselves in mind and at the forefront, um, we're on the way to giving birth to corruption and, and um, placing that into the world we live in. Selfishness, lust, um, grat- gratifying our own self. And here's what James says about that. And James... Four verse 2 says this you lust and do not have okay you lust and do not have meaning you desire something selfishly that you do not have so what happens here's what James says and as a result you commit murder so here we have a picture from James of what selfishness leads to The corruption in this particular text is murder. You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. We can see here an example of lust breeding corruption. And so we're told explicitly in Scripture, you want to know where evil comes from? It comes from your selfishness and my selfishness and the selfishness of those um, who share this world with us. Um, and this is, this is simple. This is a simple concept. There's those who raise the question, well, um, why does God allow evil? And, um, you know, all of this stuff, did God create evil and all of, all of these concerning questions. And the reality is, uh, God does not infringe on human will. He does not infringe on human will. He will not force anything upon human will. I need you to understand that because that's the foundation we're building on here. And if God does not infringe on human will and you and I willfully choose lust and selfishness, we know the byproduct of that is corruption and evil. So every bit of evil and corruption that exists in our world today is your fault and my fault and the fault of every other human that exists on the planet because evil and corruption in the world today is a direct result of our own lust and selfishness so when we go through the day count try how many times you go through the day and have yourself in mind even the little things um, even the things that aren't necessarily big, maybe, um, you know, you're just gratifying your own self and your own flesh. Maybe, uh, I want a soda, so I'm going to go spend, um, some money on a soda when you and your wife are actually trying to budget. That's well, just a, a $1.89 soda. Well, you've got yourself in mind. And it's not an um, explicitly a sin to go get a soda, but the point is, we are so selfish all throughout the day. It's like second nature to be selfish, and um, and it's to the point that we don't even recognize it as wrong. And um, we can see it so blatantly in our culture, especially around Christmas time, you know, and Thanksgiving. Uh, when people are just the most selfish when it comes to material things or they're in a hurry and all of these different things, our world, humans, humanity is an incredibly selfish race and species. It's unbelievable. But what's a good practice to do and unbelievably convicting is to go through the day and count how many times you are thinking about yourself. You have yourself in mind, even if it's a little, and even it's not necessarily an innately bad or wrong, the root, it's a muscle memory thing. So if you've got yourself in mind over little things that don't matter, you're exercising that muscle of self. I believe that this is a core um, principle and benefit to fasting. When we choose to fast food, we crucify self. Uh, the monks... Um, Many of them would take a vow of silence, not because speaking is corruption or evil or wrong, but because they are um, choosing to crucify self. They're choosing to discipline self. And uh, this is what Paul talks about, about disciplining the body and, 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 and becoming a, a master to the body. This is what James talks about of like, hey, if you can control the tongue, you can control all other evils because it takes self-control to not be selfless. And it takes selflessness to br- um, breed into society and the world around us the opposite of corruption, but selfishness breeds corruption. And so what areas of your life can you harness the discipline of self-control? Can you maybe implement fasting for the sole purpose of, I'm not going to eat just because my body wants to. I'm not going to gratify my flesh. I'm going to, I'm going to take self-control and I'm going to fast. Or can you put the phone down? Or maybe you Choose to do what the monks do and take 24 hours where you're not going to talk because you're, um, you're harnessing self-control. You're taking control. And really what you'll find out is that, um, there's something inside of you and there's something internally that we have to conquer on the inside of us. It has nothing to do. Like for instance, if you chose, I'm not going to talk or I'm not going to eat your body has no desire to talk. Like if you go 24 hours without talking, you're not going to be in any pain, right? There's no suffering that's going to come along with it. So what you have to conquer is not physical in nature. It's not physical elements. Um, it's actually something internal. There's something inside of you that wants to talk. There's something inside of you that wants to eat. There's something inside of you that wants to gratify yourself That is the very thing. That's what we call something spiritual. It's not in the physical realm. It's something inside of us we can't see. It's not of the physical material realm. We have to conquer it. Our discipline and self-control have to rise above that. Um, There's a text in the New Testament that um, one of the authors explicitly talks about self-control is a key milestone in leading to godliness, And it's no wonder because self-control is what eliminates selfishness, which eliminates corruption from our life. And so that's a powerful, powerful, powerful indicator. I want to encourage you to go um, throughout the next several days and maybe make it a lifestyle thing where you just train yourself to recognize, wow, I just gratified my flesh in that, even if it was just drinking a soda, you know, or even if it was just eating a meal or spending money or um or maybe you do you know kind of mess up and you exp- you do something selfish that is blatantly sin you know um whatever that may be maybe you um offend someone else or hurt someone else for the sake of your own uh, gratis- uh gratification or satisfaction um i don't know there's many many ways you could do that but um or maybe it's just something smaller you know that you um That you gratified your own flesh with. Um, So hope that all made sense today. That is the uh, root. That is the source of corruption and the source of evil in all the world. If you look at the world around you and you look at all the evil that exists, keep tracing it back to, to keep asking why, 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 why. And I promise you, you will land at the lust and the selfishness of someone. That's where you'll come to. And the conclusion will be self-gratification, lust, selfishness. So uh, I hope that's been good. Until next time, God bless you.